we can take these items of the tabernacle and learn from them how we should approach God through our Lord Jesus and make use. Now, I don't mean that in some utilitarian way of making use of the Lord in any way to cheapen Him, but to make the most of the wondrous grace that is in the life and person of our Lord Jesus, the one who is full of grace and who is full of truth. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. It is a great joy to be on the air to bring you the message of the gospel today, and I trust the Lord will speak to your heart, draw near, and give you a heart to seek and receive the Lord. Today we're going to take a look at the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus through the picture of the Old Testament sacrifice at the tabernacle. We're looking at the altar, that great uh, brazen altar in the courtyard where the animal sacrifices were slain, placed upon the uh, altar, the fire was applied, the ashes were raked out. This is a picture of the death of our Lord Jesus and his suffering in our place. We begin with the subject of prayer today. And just as yesterday when I mentioned that the Lord delights to answer prayer, we've got this mindset sometimes that God is somewhat reluctant to hear the prayers, hear the cries of his children. God revealed through the Lord Jesus in a Sermon on the Mount as the creator, sustainer, and keeper of his people. He sees even the sparrow fall. He taught the little chicks to cry out for their food. Will he not also hear us? Is God the Creator not much greater than the creatures he designed and programmed to answer the call of their young? Sevilla Martin was a Canadian hymnologist, and she and her husband were visiting in New York. She said that we contract, contacted a, a deep friendship for a couple by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. True Saints of God. Mrs. Doolittle had been bedridden for nigh twenty years. Her husband was an incurable cripple who had to propel himself to and from his business in a wheelchair. Despite their afflictions, they lived happy Christian lives, bringing inspiration and comfort to all who knew them. One day, while they were visiting with the Doolittles, my husband commented on their bright hopefulness and asked them for the secret of it. Mrs. Doolittle's reply was simple. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. The beauty of this simple expression of boundless faith gripped the hearts and fired the imagination of Dr. Martin and me. The hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow, was the outcome of that experience. The hymn, of course, is, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy, 
I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. May we each dedicate ourselves to prayer and seek the Lord with this confidence. Now for our message uh, in the book of Exodus on the great sacrifice. And as you have learned from the bulletin that our message today is on the altar. Chapter 27 is the first eight verses really are the details of how to construct the altar, how to use this altar in worship. This all was the revelation given to Moses in the mount. We read in chapter 24 of those 40 days and 40 nights. And it was during that time uh, that Moses received the picture, the model of the tabernacle, that uh, dwelling place of God with his people in the wilderness. It is an amazing picture of the Lord Jesus. I want you to think every item, every aspect of worship in this tabernacle reveals to us some aspect of the way that we associate and approach God through the Lord Jesus. Now, last week we dealt with Mary and Martha. And uh, maybe some people think that Martha got a a rough edge, maybe. I hope you're a Mary today. I hope that you are interested in drawing ever so near to the Lord Jesus. But do you ever feel that you get so close to the Lord and get stuck? You know, you're saved. This is about drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord. And as you look over the years, months of your Christian life, you've learned to do devotions, you've learned to handle the Bible on a daily basis, you get so close to the Lord and you get stuck. Well, the altar can help us, and the whole tabernacle pictures can help us, because there we have the demonstration of how the believer approaches Christ. God and draws near to him. Now, every item is a picture of the Lord Jesus. And as we would be like Mary to sit at Jesus' feet, to learn of him, to have a deeper devotional life, we can take these items of the tabernacle and learn from them how we should approach God through our Lord Jesus, and make use. Now, I don't mean that in some utilitarian way of making use of the Lord in any way to cheapen Him, but to make the most of the wondrous grace that is in the life and person of our Lord Jesus, the one who is full of grace and who is full of truth. Now, We have to learn as New Testament Christians how to come to our Lord Jesus and behold Him. That's what we're told told to do. Behold the Lamb of God. Look unto Jesus. Fix your eyes upon Him. But oh, there are so many things that distract us 
And it's so difficult in our minds and bodies, in our human nature, to really focus and draw all the grace that is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the thing that strikes me about this tabernacle worship is that it was active service. It wasn't just sitting. It was about a great deal of activity. The priests, the whole tribe, the, the tribe of Levi, they were designated to this work of the tabernacle. How to arrange it, how to set it up, how to take it down, how to clean the vessels, how to prepare the sacrifices, how to wash, how to come and burn the incense, light the, 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 the candle, uh, present the showbread, bring the blood and stand outside the veil and the high priest to dress appropriately and go into the presence of God. This was action. Now, if I was to say this is the way of salvation, I would be a heretic. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by activity. You're saved by faith. But once you are saved, there is a new life of activity now. There's a new life of entering in, worshiping, drawing near, making the most of all that is yours in Christ Jesus. And that demands energy. It demands time. It demands effort. As we see in the Levitical priesthood as they drew near. I'm also giving you something that I have found very, very valuable in my own devotional life. There are many, many times that I get down on my knees and I picture the tabernacle in my mind. I come with the picture of the Levitical priest coming to worship God, and that helps me to focus and I take the steps, step by step, as the priest would do in entering in to worship God, item by item. Now, when God gave the pattern to Moses, he started with the center. He started where man ends, the ark, the Shekinah glory, right in the Holy of Holies. When man approached God, he, of course, came from the outside, the wilderness, through the gate, into the courtyard. And the first thing after entering through the gate is the altar. That's the first item. And today I want us just to focus our attention. And I want you to do what I have done many times. And I advocate to you to focus upon this item of worship and use it as your way of approach to God through Christ. Now, Christ has fulfilled everything about this altar. It is a marvelous, clear picture of our Lord Jesus. And this altar will instruct us. It will guide us what it means to come to the Father through Jesus' name. Firstly, there is the meaning of the altar. It means sacrifice. Indeed, the Hebrew word means slaughter the altar. There never was in the Old Testament, in all of the Bible, an altar without death, without blood, without the sacrifice. 
And of course, the whole picture, not only the Hebrew meaning of the word slaughter, but the whole picture of the priest coming in through that gate. It was one gate, by the way, and it was exceedingly wide and colorful, as you may notice in that little caption in the bulletin. And then as they went in, the very first thing they saw was this altar. It was death. And there may be the priest, even with the bullock or the lamb, and there is the priest slaying the animal, taking the blood and the parts of the animal, laying it on this brass altar. And the, and the worshiper would see the fire and see the smoke ascending. And of course, that smoke was a sweet-smelling savor unto God, because God was pleased with this putting away of sin. And my friend, as we come to worship God, this is the first issue that we must deal with, and that is our sin. And this altar, this sacrificing, this burning, this offering to God, a sacrifice for sin, it's central and foremost to every approach of the worshiper to draw near to God. Now, this applies, of course, to our Lord Jesus on the cross. When our Lord Jesus died on the cross, he was offering himself as a sacrifice, as our Savior, our Redeemer, offering himself to put away our sin. And you probably know those New Testament texts like Hebrews that our Lord Jesus offered himself once as a sacrifice. And as the Hebrew commentator on the whole approach, the whole work of worshiping in this Old Testament way, it is applied to the Lord Jesus that he's our sacrifice. And if we are to worship God acceptably, that's, that's the primary thing we must focus upon, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. You dare not come near to God to worship without pleading the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Now, our Lord Jesus was a great teacher. He was a great leader. He was a great social helper. He was a friend to those in need. But that's not the focus as you draw near to God. In our modern evangelistic age, we have this uh, presentation of the Lord Jesus as a great friend. He's a chum. He's a, a buddy. He'll be with you in your struggles. Now, that's really off target when you come to draw near to God. The Lord Jesus is first and foremost a sacrifice of settling all your sins. Because when you come focusing upon that sacrifice and the sweet-smelling savor of the death of our Lord Jesus that pleased the Father, your worship now will be acceptable to God. And your worship through Jesus' name as a sacrifice will be well-pleasing to the Father. He will accept it because you're offering it on the basis, on the merits of the death, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And that's how you pray. That ought to be uppermost and foremost in your mind as you come to pray the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus of its power with God, of its turning away God's wrath against your sin and turning God to pleasure. He takes delight in every word, every prayer, every sigh, every breathing of your soul when you focus 
your prayer and your worship on the death of the Lord Jesus. Now in the New Testament, a lot, of, a lot is made of this. So much of the doctrines of the gospel and the nature of Christ's death is based upon this approach to God by sacrifice. Let me give you this verse. You'll know it well. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access. Access. Now, the justifying work of the Lord Jesus is his death, his sacrifice. And we're justified by faith in that death, by whom we have access. This is now our prayer life opening up. This is now the windows of heaven opening up to you as a believer on the Lord Jesus. You can come with assurance that your devotions, your praying, your worship is accepted because God has accepted the sacrifice of his son. Nextly, I would say the position of the altar teaches us that Christ as a sacrifice is central and foremost to all worship. Have I said that before? Well, I want to major on this. The altar it, in its position was inside the gate. It was protected from all the wilderness, the filth of it, all the approach of wild beasts or animals or any thief or whatever. It was guarded. It was central inside the courtyard of the tabernacle. In its position, it was between the gate and the tent, the holy of holies, right in the middle. In other words, you couldn't walk in the gate and get to the tent without firstly coming to the altar. By its very position, it was made to be central. Now, God placed the altar right there to demonstrate that everything else is based upon Everything else find its power in the altar. There is no approach with God without firstly offering the sacrifice. Now, why is this? Because man is shut out from God. Man is a stranger to God. Our hearts are depraved. Our life is rebellious. We are strangers to God. We cannot approach God on our own terms. We must firstly come by the way of that altar. Now, I emphasize again, in case anyone should miss it, this altar is typical of the Lord Jesus in every which way you look at it. Its dimensions, five cubits by five, grace, grace. Its materials, its position, it's the largest item one commentator said, you can take all the other items in the furniture and put any one of them inside this, because this is so important. And this offering, this sacrifice, it's all about cleansing from our sin. And that fire never went out. There was the daily sacrificing morning and evening, and the fire under that grate, you've probably seen the bulletin, that, that mesh that was on the inside halfway up, on the inside of the, of the, the, the brazen altar, uh, the, the fire never went out. Now, that teaches us that the merits, the intercession, the cleansing of the Lord Jesus never ceases. It continually, continually 
applies and cleanses us from our sin. You know what First John said? If any man's sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. Now, these are Levites, and they needed that cleansing. You and I need that cleansing. Every hour, every day, we need the cleansing application of that blood to our hearts. It would be foolhardy, it would be nonsense for us to say that we have a devotional life with the Lord if we're not daily, continually trading in the blood of the Lord Jesus. If you do not hold to the doctrine of the blood cleansing of the Lord Jesus, don't talk about a devotional life with the Lord Jesus. You don't have one. You're a stranger. You're shut out. You have no access to God. If you say, I do believe that doctrine, and you say, I want a deeper life, I want a closer life with my Lord, then this is the exercise that we must pursue continually, regularly, hourly, pleading the power of that very blood of the Lord Jesus. You see, this is first and foremost beyond anything of our money or our talents, our time, or any other way that you would seek to serve or worship God. Now, I'm not saying those things don't have their own place. Of course, we want your money. We believe in tithing. We believe in giving to God's work. We have bills to pay as a church. We need the support of God's people, and we worship God. We have our deacons to come forward and stand in front of this church before the whole congregation and pray a dedicatory prayer over those things. But it is not money that draws us nearer to our Lord. It's the sacrifice. It's the cleansing power of Jesus' blood that enables us to come and worship God. And so all our prayers are going to be peppered with the name of the Lord Jesus as a sacrifice. Are you doing that? Maybe you're saying in a pastoral question, I want to get nearer to the Lord. Well, here's the first step. Here's the primary step. Everything else will begin to be acceptable to God if we put this altar central in our lives. That's the lesson here. That's the message. And until we do that, everything else will be dry, where there will be a seeming distance. And if there is nothing of the cross, nothing of the sacrifice of Christ, nothing of the blood of Christ, then all your praying is empty and vain, shallow at best. I think you know that every time in, in the book of Genesis, the patriarchs, that they came to God, what did they do? They built an altar. They built altars. The very first worshiper in the Bible, Abel, slew a lamb. Sacrifice, altar, death, dealing with sin. If that is not a main ingredient in your, praying life, in your prayer life, in your devotion life, you will make no progress you will not know much of the power of the Lord in your life, because this is about communion. This is about getting through to God. And of course, in the tabernacle, the goal is to get through the veil into the presence of God. But if the worshiper will not come by the altar, dead. He's dead. 
We can not without blood is the absolute that is given. Now, I have to move quickly here because there are a number of things here. The materials of this altar also teaches of Christ as our Redeemer and Mediator. The materials of the altar were shittim wood overlaid with brass, the twofold nature of our Lord Jesus. The wood, of course, would not stand the heat of the fire on its own. It would soon be burnt up. And so it was overlaid with brass, and the brass could withstand the extensive heat. Therefore, it would endure. And therein is a picture of our Lord Jesus. He has human nature. But human nature alone cannot withstand the heat of the wrath of God as a sacrifice. He needed a divine nature, a nature that can endure the justice of God, the holiness of God, and the very punishment of God poured out upon Him. Now you'll notice the mesh. It was twisted wire, and it was a fine mesh. It was brass, and it formed a grate about halfway up. But that meant that nothing of the sacrifice got through without being burnt. Everything had to be burnt by fire. Every item of the sacrifice had to be turned to reduced to ashes. That's the nature of a sacrifice. And of course, our Lord Jesus on the cross became a sacrifice for us to endure, not just the kneels, not just the spear, not just the mockery of men, but in those dark hours at Calvary to endure the eternal wrath of God. And when man was shut out, God the Father poured out upon his own Son eternal wrath due to you and me. The Father made him to be sin for us, even though he knew no sin that we might become the righteousnesses of God. The whole language of Isaiah 53, it pleased the Father to bruise him. And so our Lord Jesus endured the fire. This is the message of the gospel that our Lord Jesus bore all the wrath of God for us that we may be saved from God's wrath due to sin, and that we may have every hope of eternal life. I trust that today that you have heard words whereby you may be saved, that the Spirit of God will write upon your heart the urgency of coming to the cross, believing on the Lord Jesus and his sacrificial atoning death in the place of sinners, to bring men out of a state of condemnation into acceptance with our Heavenly Father. Christ died that you would live. He suffered that you might not suffer in eternity. He bore the, the load of sin that you might be given His righteousness to your account. And again, if I can be of any personal help in your desire to know the Lord, to find the way of God's salvation through His Word, I'd be glad to open the Bible with you and share the way of the gospel. Give me a call, write me an email, write a letter. Just please be in touch. And of course, we invite you to our church services as well. Thank you for being a listener today. Stay tuned with us now for a few announcements and join us again tomorrow when again we let the Bible speak. You be 
This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.